Hello and welcome to Hammock Stories, a podcast for people seeking inspiration while on their journey to finding identity, meaning, and community. Every week, your hosts, Tu and Chenny, will be asking an everyday hero to join us in our hammock and share their personal story of how they've arrived at themselves. Slow it down. On this week's episode, we're joined by Nate Gerber, a seeker and lover of life. He's an expert in creating spaces for others to be alive without fear of judgment. Nate shares his story of how he finds his worth by getting into the moment of now. Outside of dancing, playing, and being, Nate is also a design strategist helping organizations large and small through their own journeys of engaging challenge to find life and meaning. Hey, Nate. Hey, what's up, Jenny? Welcome to Hammock Stories. Thank you for having me. How are you feeling? I was just saying it's a nice mix of cozy alpaca blanket and hammock and oh my God, I'm feeling good. Great, 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 And sugar. And sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we might have had uh, one too many cookies during our recording break. Mm-hmm. Cookies and tea. Yeah. So, Nate, the reason why I wanted to invite you here today um, is because you have, there's this magical thing that you do that I can't describe that I want to learn more about. So I thought, hey, what better place to learn about it than here? You trapped me in a hammock. Pretty much. <laughs> to learn magic. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> this so, is like a season of The Witcher. Yes. So let me catch two up and our listeners on this magic. Okay. So basically what happened was... A couple couple years ago, um, uh, myself and another friend, we were planning my husband Ken's birthday party. Mm. And at the end of the night, it was a really fun evening, had lots of good drinks and food and laughs and games. And at the end of the evening, you just like bust out this like epic dance while... Um, beating on a drum and everyone just stopped what they were doing. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> everyone just stopped for like a good 15 minutes. <clears throat> and I was thinking to myself, wow, Nate is magical. So can you tell us about where your magic came from? <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, that's a very interesting intro to, to that part of life. Um, hmm. I did not expect that particular night that you're talking about. I was not expecting that we would have the moment that we had. It was really cool. And I mean, it wasn't even my musical instrument. It was just at your place. That's what I find so fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was fascinating to me, too, because I was discovering the instrument. Um, But it's... Wow. I would say that that's sort of... So that's your first time playing that drum? Yeah. (laughs) Jeez. Literally, everyone stopped talking and moving. We were just all listening to you. There was a little bit of singing that happened. Yeah, you were... Yeah, it was... Multimedia, singing, <laughs> playing, dancing—it was the whole thing. That's really cool. So it sounds like you have a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so to the question, <laughs> I would say, you know, the journey I'm on in life actually is about where that feeling can come from inside. Um, mm, tell us more. Yeah, I, I think that um, there's a story we have about who and what we are, and there's 
the ways in which we create spaces for ourselves to exist in that story. And then there's whatever the reality actually is about what we actually are, which we may or may not even have a story for. And creating moments of listening to try and feel uh, something be alive and let it just be alive and not judge it, not frame it, um, and be at kind of the mercy of that, for me is a very um, powerful thing. How did this start? How did you build this muscle? Oh, I like that, the idea of it as a muscle. And I would say I'm, I'm building this muscle. I want to build more mm. of it. Um, and in terms of how did that start, well, I, I think we've all experienced elements of the opposite of what I just described. Um, and certainly I've experienced a lot of the opposite of what I've described. Basically situations where for you to have any permission to be, you need to first give some sovereignty to a story or to a narrative. And um, for me, I would say that context would have started, say, like very young in the church and family in contexts where, uh, yeah, to belong, to fit, um, there's already a kind of a sense of the story that you're, you're working with. And that story is, uh, has spaces for your energy, but it isn't emerging from your energy. And so I think I always questioned that. I've always been curious. I've always had a strong innate desire just to question things. And also certainly been through some experiences that felt constraining within all of that. Can you um, give an example? Yeah. Just because I'm not too familiar with the structure of a church. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So maybe a little bit of context might help uh, on the personal side. Um, so my mom's from Trinidad and Tobago. She's the youngest of 14 kids. Wow. And, um, you know, not everything in life for her was necessarily easy. Uh, and if you think a little bit about some of the challenges that can exist in, in these different cultural contexts, there was also a layer that has to do with uh, power dynamics between genders and things like that. So she had definitely experienced a sense of trauma in her life in relation to men. And growing up, I think when I was maybe, you know, four, five, six, she started to actually process uh, some of her own trauma uh, in a time that was quite difficult for her. You know, she was, um, my husband, or sorry, my father bleh, loved my mother for sure. Um, you know, they had, they have a strong relationship, uh, but for her to receive that and for them to kind of make everything work definitely had an impact on her experience of reality. And so that was happening in parallel to um, this church we went to, which was also not a very healthy space. Um, became a very abusive space, actually, and in some senses, definitely like a cult in a smaller sense of what that can mean. Nobody was drinking Kool-Aid and dying, but uh, there was a lot of emotional abuse and manipulation. Mm. Um, and so these things happening all at the same time, uh, she went through quite a depression when I was around six years old, and for a couple of years, she could barely get out of bed. And, uh, and I was homeschooled at the time, so I was kind of caring for my younger siblings. I'm the oldest of four, two brothers and a sister. Um, and trying to help her as well, uh, almost like a caregiver emotionally at, at that level at times. So there was a lot of these things happening at the same time. And the thing that was kind of anchoring us was the idea of our identity being kind of embedded in you know, faith um, and in tradition. And the particular church we were involved in was completely independent. It wasn't within a, any uh, you know, larger denomination or community, it was all by itself, which is part of why I could get away with some of what it did. 
Um, but stylistically, like the, the vibes that were there were very kind of similar to if you're familiar at all with like a, more of a Pentecostal style. So like very almost um, like high energy services, lots of right. music, lots of movement, that kind of thing. Right. Um, but also the the preaching was very like control oriented, very dominant, definitely very charismatic uh, lead figure kind of at the center of everything. Um, yeah, so so that's some of the context just to give you a picture. And I was growing up in that. And as I was growing up in that, there was a very deep um, fundamental wound and, and pain that was with me, uh, a kind of a question about worthiness and um, about my family and my own self, uh, whether or not we were worthy for God, because you know the day-to-day reality of our experience was one that was rooted in trying to, as a human being, have a kind of spiritual worth uh, in a context where that was always um, being questioned and, and manipulated. So yeah, that's the backdrop that I kind of found myself dealing with. And I was also a fairly kind of hyper kid in a lot of ways too. So, you know, what do you do with that energy when you're in a space where um, there's a lot of fear? Wow, that sounds hard. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So how did you cope with all of that? Mm. Uh, isolation and pretending. I think creating mm. um, ways of performing and behaving uh, that are amenable to the environment around you while uh, trying to create spaces where you can express the feeling of being um, really lost emotionally or really uh, you know, in pain. So it was a, it was like a deep divide between how I would appear and how I felt. Wow, I I really like when you said spiritual worth. Mm. It kind of hit me of like, it's like almost like that worth. Uh, in my interpretation, is like this worth to the eyes of someone else, like God or mm-hmm. something else. What does spiritual worth mean to you now, or mm-hmm. maybe it's mm-hmm. worth? without the spiritual side? No, I, I, well, yeah, I appreciate that. I think, I don't know, it's um, like who, who of us has this ability to really clearly articulate exactly what we're staring at when we look inside and, <laughs> and we look past the story side mm-hmm. of it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. what are we looking at? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, is, is that our spirit? I, I resonate with that word, uh, spirit. Um, and I, I definitely resonate with, there's such a, a rich, diversity of traditions around what that could possibly mean and how communities could share a sense of meaning um, at that level. Uh, while that's being said, I don't feel too attached to it as well. I think there's there's ways to, to talk about these things in a lot of different, you know, using a lot of different words. But for me, what does it mean? Um, to know that the presence that is alive inside you that makes you exist, you know, the essence of what it is to be alive that is you, to know that that belongs uh, on this planet right now. You know, you're here in this moment, and to know that this moment, that you belong in this moment. Um, oh, wow. I love that. Because it's like everyone that is alive right now is worth it. Mm-hmm. Has worth, I guess. Yes. Mm. Yes. Did you always 
When did you start feeling like you were worthy? I feel like it's a it's a process and it's sort of a sneaky process that subverts mm -hmm. you a little bit when you let it. And I would say How is it sneaky? Yeah, because it has to subvert your stories. Mm. Right? Because it's not coming from your story. It's coming from you. And okay. so whatever uh kind of sense making you've had to do along the way to make you know, sense of your experiences, whatever you've used to help frame your sense of identity, where you are, how things work. Um, it has to kind of work through its way through all the layers of that, all the scaffolding of that, until you kind of realize, oh, I actually feel this way about things, not that way. And maybe I need new words to describe this new feeling. Um, or maybe, wow, I discovered I have some words for a feeling I didn't realize was actually more true to who I am. So it's sneaky in that sense, um, mm. you know. But yeah, the, the when of that for me would be, mm, I'd say like the last three to four years, there's been a, a, a progression that's been fairly clear uh, the more that I look at it, that I'm, I'm moving more towards this understanding. Is that the same as three or four years ago as the start of um, this, this vibe or this <laughs> inside of you? <laughs> The magic. <laughs> the magic? Magic. No, I mean, the magic piece, the... the <laughs> wow, that's so funny. <laughs> I think that I've always had, like, a love for the arts and for creativity and expression, and that that's always been a, a core part of how people in, in my closer communities understand who I am and know me. Mm -hmm. um, and so that goes down to childhood. I mean, I was breakdancing from, like, 14 years old. Um, and... Uh, and music's always been a big part of my life. My undergrad was like jazz guitar. Oh, wow. um, yeah, so so I wouldn't say that this is like it's brand new that I'm being you know expressive. Um, but what part of myself is able to inhabit my expression and the conversation about what it is to kind of own the practice? That's been much more recent. Um, I think that say like pre-2010, like going back 10 years ago and before, um, so much of being expressive was about trying to find permission. Mm. Yeah, permission to, to belong. It's interesting you say that because as you were saying that, I was thinking all the times where I've seen you express yourself through some sort of creative outlet, there's always been like a neat signature on it. Oh, interesting. What even <laughs> yeah, is that? <laughs> like, it's not, like it's not like, oh, you just do it. Like you're copying something that currently exists or, mm. you know, like it's, I, I find it interesting how it's often improvised or imagined. Mm, mm. Like in the true meaning of that, in that it's not like, oh, you're, you're thinking of this and then that. It's like, nope, these are some elements that just happen to be in front of you and you're just like making it up. <laughs> Like how, like how, how, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> You're really speaking of envy. How do you do that? <laughs> uh, well, I, I said a second ago, does any of us know, you know, what we're looking at if we look inside past our own stories and stuff? But I think what I was also trying to get at is that there's, there's some kind of feeling when you are listening inside that you're alive. You know, and that is a very kinetic mm. reality, 
you know, it, it does like live and breathe within you and you're living and breathing autonomously in, in a sense, like automatically without like cognitive driving, driven control because you're alive, because this thing is kinetic within your being. And there's a relationship between that and everything that you're in, you know. So if you like put some elements in front of you and then you let yourself be alive in relation to those elements, then something's going to happen and it's a conversation just like this. And uh, then the question is kind of like, well, what's possible? And, and that's where the imagination gets to play around, you know, because what is possible? Wow. So the Nate signature is the possibility part. I mean, I'm not trying to brand the Nate signature. I don't, I don't, like, <laughs> I was just trying to think about the how do you even get started on something, yeah. you know? I, I, I mean, I really, I, I think I, I, I can, I mean, I can, right? I can see it. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like the thing, it's like you're connecting to something that's alive within you mm-hmm. and you're just, it's like you're letting that flow mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. way. And it, I love, um, I just came out of a meditation retreat, and it's just this whole, like, like, the way you're talking, there's something that's alive, but that aliveness is always changing and always moving, mm-hmm. and you're, you move. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's uh, the way you speak, like, there's no attachment to a certain thing or a certain state, um, mm-hmm. which, which I find really cool. Mm-hmm as you describe um, what's in you. Hmm. Mm. I appreciate that. I think you, I, I think that it's, um, I, I, I just feel increasingly within myself and I feel this is something that all of us kind of share when we're, we're looking for it. It's like this desire to be here, mm. you know, just to be in the moment. And, um, and I don't think I'm there all the time. I don't think, I don't think all of us are there. A lot of us are, are struggling to be there. Um, in different ways. And there's so many legitimate reasons why physiologically and sociologically and emotionally, why we would find our energy dispersed away from awareness in this moment. See, what I find so fascinating is when I think of in my own life, when I think of being in the moment, Hmm. I often think of myself in some sort of stationary position or Hmm. say low connect connectivity, like low movement (laughs) type of of thing, Mm -hmm. right? Like maybe at best I'm like walking, Mm. Um, really. Mm. So, so yeah, like, can you tell us a little bit more about how, what it's like to be in the, be in the moment, um, but yet moving, move, like, like, but not just moving, like, moving and singing and playing and 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 like at the same time like how do you tune into that kind of mm. awareness because mm. i do think it's a little different mm. Mm. i hear you I, i'm still also processing what that is mm. uh, in my own journey as well uh, and also feeling it ebb and flow between seasons where i feel like i have um t- to steal a design term right a lot of affordances mm. um in my interactions with things like the the it's like the 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 possibilities present in the elements around me seem like readily usable (laughs) to express something Uh, and it doesn't matter like how many things i i want to dance with i can just like dance with all these things in a way Mm -hmm. and then i have moments when it just feels like oh my god no i can't even imagine how to kind of 
how, how to be coordinated in relation to everything that's happening or that I'm touching, you know, that I'm trying to make sense of. So it's a, it's an ebb and it's a flow. But when I'm feeling that it's, it's happening, it, there's sort of these layers to the conversation. So one layer has to do with the internal awareness um, we're talking about, the presence part of it. And um, then the other layer has to do with this embodiment, um, this dynamic of like relationality that exists as you touch things, as you um, move with things and with, with their dynamics, right? So if you think about um, a heavy object versus a light object and you throw the heavy object in the air and it takes more energy to, to throw it and you throw the light one in the air and it just tosses up and comes back in your hand, you catch it very easily. Um, and you imagine yourself telling a story using these two objects at the same time, they're immediately going to start to take on different personalities and you're going to immediately start to feel yourself um, bringing different parts of the story to life with one object versus the aspects of the story you bring to life with the other one. Um, so there's this, this dynamism that's in everything and you inhabit that dynamism. You know, there's the, the presence you have within yourself and then there's the way in which that presence and the way in which the, the energy of you can inhabit all of these potential dynamics in the elements around you. When you talk, and uh, before you're talking about permission, mm. and um, I'm just curious, like uh, when you get into the moment, the way you get into the moment of interacting with these different objects and kind of knowing their different energies, like what, when you talk about permission, what does that mean? Like, mm. yeah. Permission and then these objects. Right, sure. When, when I brought up the idea of permission before, it was a very um, kind of personal, social kind mm. of thing, um, but at the spiritual level. So however it is one would identify themselves, how do I identify myself in relation to being here, into in, like existential, right? So I'm here, I exist. And am I good? Am I, do I belong here? those kinds of questions and, and those questions become more and more real when you put them into a social context. Uh, do the people around me, my family, my friends, my community, do they give me that validation, that feedback loop that tells me I do belong here and in this moment, it, you know, that I do have space to exist here. And people can tell you, you, you belong, you know, like there, there can be <laughs> that story that's like, we love you. And it can be a genuine feeling, but they, they don't necessarily know you, mm. right? Like your energy on the inside, you're still trying to find out if you know you. And so yes. does that energy <laughs> belong yes. here, you know? Yes. <laughs> so so what is that energy going to do in this moment in the world, <laughs> you know? So so the permission piece I think uh, speaks to some of those layers, some of those dynamics and and there is an internal part of that like do I am I a good home for me in how I inhabit my body? Wow. Um yeah. How do you answer that question? <laughs> 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 or where are you on the journey of answering yeah. questions? Oh my! <laughs> uh, I'm I'm in it. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to um, give myself a lot of grace. I would say, <laughs> like I think that um, playfulness is something that exists before we kind of go to school for all the things we have to be responsible for in life. Mm. And so I I think that honoring um, the possibilities that exist in play is step one. And then 
thinking about even the notion of responsibility and, and what it is to have relationships where you're managing trust and, and you're mediating power uh, because you have power, because you have power inside you and because other people have power and you're building relationships with people. To be in those spaces of responsibility, I think there's a, a reframe there from a very kind of like obligation-oriented perception and expectation-oriented perception to a much more um, living ability to respond perspective, you know, so response-ability. Um, feeling everything as kinetic in that sense and that you're alive in it. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I feel like I'm trying to find my way to a place where I can bring that, that understanding and that way of being um, into expression in, you know, traditionally not creative spaces, you know. Um, I know I work in design right now and, and in strategy and there is a certain amount of understanding that those can be somewhat creative spaces, but I mean, the word creative is, <laughs> you know, are you creating value is really just about a bottom line. So <laughs> the notion of understanding creative intelligence um, isn't necessarily as strong in that environment. Um, but that's what I'm talking about, um, creating a context for creative intelligence. Wow. And so, yeah, there's the work side of one side of create creating, which is not very creative. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's really yep. interesting, this yep. word creativity. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> very subjective. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's it's applied it's like used so differently. Mm -hmm. Different people think differently about it. But I Yeah. I like what you're saying about being a child. Uh, last week I was with, I've never done this before, but like be around 500 kids um, creating art. Wow. And uh, mm. the more you were talking about like just the permission of young people, I almost thought they're not even, they're like, a, you know, there's dogs and there's cats. There's like kids. <laughs> they're <laughs> they're a, like a different vibe. <laughs> Mm -hmm. than us mm -hmm. and, I, and I guess I couldn't help think about this question and like all of this stuff now is about like oh let's try to be a child let's like like let's embody that energy mm -hmm. but at the same time I'm like I don't think we're the same person anymore <laughs> from that child um, right but yeah I wonder what your perspective of like how have you been able to kind of integrate the the good parts I, I don't know not good but like whatever the childlike parts into adult life mm. yeah I'm still working on that yeah. <laughs> but I love the word integrate and I don't know that it's only about um, the polarity of good and bad in the integration aspect in the mm. sense of um, I'm not necessarily trying to have some philosophical debate about good and bad when I say that per se but more that there is a lot of very real suffering in our world and um, when you come to a place of realizing that you have some agency um, in, in, in the world of adults um, and that you have some responsibility and also that you're absolutely not perfect, you know, that and I say you as though it's the royal we we're talking into, but I, I'm really trying to apply these things in my own life right now. It just this is me trying to get a perspective on myself. Mm -hmm. And um, 
And I think it's important to acknowledge this whole spectrum of our experience. Um, and even the, the baseline real, reality of there being some, some trauma to that. And so I think the, the journey of spiritual life, spiritual aliveness and spiritual growth is a journey of integration amidst a spectrum of experience. And in that integration, there's this new level of understanding of what permission actually is, you know, what it means for me to give myself permission to play in this season of my life when I know that I do have responsibility. And that responsibility um, doesn't make me not a child. Um, mm -hmm. You know, being an adult doesn't make me not a child. In that sense. Yeah, there's an end there. Mm -hmm. It can be both at the same time. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and, and in the integration, uh, in the freedom piece, I think that you you come to a place where, where play itself is a form of justice, um, where your choice to be alive and to express what being alive can be is an invitation to healing in the world. Um, it's an invitation to... Um, to, to really being able to acknowledge that, you know, suffering um, and the, the things which we've done, which are an expression of forgetting our, ourself, you know, uh, that that doesn't have to rule reality forever. It doesn't have to be the end of the story. Mm -hmm. It's like one page at a time, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that too. Yeah, 100%. I like that. So how how is... How is all of this um, showing up in your life now? Mm. Yeah, right now it's a really interesting time in my life. And I imagine I'll listen back to this like maybe in 10 years if I'm still around and be like, whoa, that, yeah, that was an interesting time. <laughs> um, um, I was sharing with you, Chenny, that my, my grandfather is going through what is likely the last season of his life right now. He's declining quite fast. and. Um, he had been living about an hour and a half away, so getting out to see him had been challenging. Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to go as regularly as I wanted to. And uh, recently, um, you know, his health took a, a negative turn and he was uh, taken to a hospital closer by. And him being close has been a gift for the last few weeks. I've been able to visit him more or less every day mm -hmm. and spend time with him. And I've been able to watch his decline while also trying to support the process of keeping him around as long as we can. Um, you know, even just this past week, he went from fairly sharp to starting to have mild hallucinations and mm. a lot less ability to, to speak. Um, so, so it's a difficult time. Um, and then at the very, very same time right now, uh, one of my brothers, the next one down from me, my brother Aaron, has a baby on the way who oh. will likely uh, come any day now. And uh, it's quite interesting having this feeling of like, hey, how are you doing? You know, means completely different things depending on who you're asking it to. So, mm -hmm. hey, Grandpa, how are you doing? <laughs> Is something that I, I write down on a little mini whiteboard so that he can see it because he can't hear me, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, hey, how you doing is, is a text I would send to my brother and is like, you know, how's she doing? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, it's, uh, I, ha I went through this uh, similar experience just mm. a couple months ago with my grandfather. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't help, I mean, on this topic of kids. And mm. like, it's like the, 
in that last season of life, what I'm seeing in front of me is a baby almost, um, kind of like the bodily functions and the things that he needs and the way he interacts. Mm-hmm. I couldn't help but just have a picture of almost like kind of it's exactly like the 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 the, the cycle of life that just goes mm-hmm. back to mm-hmm. baby. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm feeling that with my grandfather. It's interesting because I was with my grandmother a few years back when she passed away. And um, I remember as she was passing, this feeling of, it's hard to describe. It was like this bittersweet peace. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a a small group of us in the room and Everyone else left the room after a couple of minutes, and I just asked if I could stay. I just felt I needed to sit with her body for a while, and I just sat there for more than half an hour, maybe 45 minutes, and I just had this deep feeling of her presence, and it wasn't in her body. Mm. It was beyond her body, but it was there was this sense of, of like a mutual awareness that she knew I was with her body um, as she had left it. Um, mm. It's so interesting you say that because, um, so I don't identify as Buddhist, but my family does. Mm-hmm. And um, they, there's the saying where um, in Buddhist beliefs, um, when someone passes, it typically takes five days before they mm. leave their body. And so when you, when often, mm. often when we say, oh, well, it feels like they're still with us. Mm-hmm. I, I do sometimes wonder if they still are. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because that feeling came back to me this week as I was with my grandfather the other day. I started to notice that it was coming back, um, that his modality of awareness was shifting. Mm-hmm. You know, there'd be times when he couldn't really communicate, but I would suddenly realize that he knew I was there. Yeah. You know, he would look like he was asleep. And then I would go to step out of the room and then he would adjust himself to, to kind of indicate, no, please stay. Yeah. And so I'd go and I'd sit back down. I'd be like, oh, okay, you do know I'm here. And you want me to sit with you right now. And I want to sit here with you. Wow. I, I love this. It's like the awareness is almost, it's, it's the body can only handle so much. And the awareness mm-hmm. of, of him is like kind of getting out of the body too. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Beyond only this moment in time, beyond only this location in space. Yeah. Wow. All right, so we are closer to time. <laughs> Jenny, do you have one last question for Nate? Before I take it. <laughs> so what's next? <laughs> what you said? You said earlier that you're on this journey still. Um, what's 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 the current step? Next, the current next stage of this journey? Hmm. So I think the more we find a way of articulating um, what we are realizing in our journey. So for me, I'm realizing some of the things we were talking about around the difference between stories I've had about myself versus inside, like the sense of myself. And um, as we find a language to articulate these things that we're realizing about ourselves and about life, 
we also start to get more clarity about the places where we've been off in the past, where things we've done or how we've approached our, our life really wasn't authentic, really wasn't truthful, maybe was harmful, maybe hurt other people, maybe hurt yourself, that kind of thing. And then there's this process of forgiveness and of release and surrender. And uh, I think I'm progressively having these moments of realization and then having to also follow that up with these moments of acceptance and forgiveness and surrender and kind of reset and readjust. And, and so that's been my, my practice. And I think about how um, in the past, it, I, I was really oriented towards giving a lot of my, my power away, giving a lot of my energy away in an attempt to try to be something, in an attempt to try to get acceptance and, and validation and, and a feeling of belonging in the world through how I would express myself. And now um, I'm curious to discover how my own self-expression can be generative in the world and can be with others in a way that's um, mutually and reciprocally life-giving. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So that's what feels like is next for me in, in all sorts of domains of life. I love that. This was such a lovely interview. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nate. Oh, you guys are the best. This is really yeah. sweet. I love what y'all are doing here. Love you should you. trap more people in hammocks and get their magic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of Hammock Stories. We're so grateful to capture this moment um, a few months ago because ever since then, both Nate and I have... Um, been grieving our, our grandfathers and um, it just felt like this interview was um, a special moment in time and an inflection point of uh, many of our journeys. So thank you for tuning in and I um, really look forward to upcoming episodes of Hammock Stories to share with you. Take care. Sleeping, there's nothing to do. Then in the cars, they'll always start.